So I have Allison back again this week because why not? Because it makes sense because it's the right thing to do. And we are finally going to get in and talk about education and where kind of spirit is showing me that that is going. So if you're interested in education, if you have children, if you know a child, this topic might interest you and where our society is headed. So stay with us. Hello, everyone. This is Meredith with a Y, and I am your host, Meredith Willett. Today, we are going to go deep, changing lives, and I am giving you the keys to the castle. Allison, thank you so much for being here yet again, because partner in crime. So we're getting into it today, aren't we? We are. We really teased people for a couple times. We didn't do it, but we are doing it this time. So here it comes. (laughs) We're doing it. We're here. It's happening. And, you know, I was laying in bed this morning prior to hitting record with you. And I'm like, how can I talk about this for a long period of time? And then it just started to reveal itself to me as to the progression that we have been in because originally kind of when, and I'm talking about American today, we're talking about basically um, the American education system, because that's what I know about. And that's what I know to talk about. And so originally, our, our American education system was set up to basically produce human beings that are going to be in an industrialized nation. And of course, none of us really knew that, right? We didn't know we were sending our kids to a school to learn how to be worker bees. But now as, you know, more information comes out about it and we're learning more about the who, what, where, when, whys of the American education system, it makes a lot of sense because we have, we send our kids to these schools and they sit there and retain information. And I think that's getting even worse. You tell me with standardized testing, Oh, well, there's a topic. So my daughter is doing standardized testing for the first time this upcoming week. And the amount of stress and pressure on a third grader that she has been reiterating over in her mind and all just the amount, I can't even tell you, like last night she told me she thought she was dumb because she she was looking at something and she didn't feel like she got the right answer. So I feel like there is so much, this topic is so layered and there's so much to it. (laughs) We could go around in, in circles probably forever, but I think like taking three steps back and looking at the big picture of education, I, I guess what I see when I think about it is that COVID really started And it started happening before that, but COVID really started this sort of peeling back of the onion, the alternate schooling, people doing homeschool co-ops. And now that I feel like a lot of that has sort of like that seed has been planted more in the mainstream, right? There's always been, been some of that. I think it's starting to become more obvious to more people. But uh, when you look at education from where it started and now kind of where it's headed, what is the progression that you see now? And then what you feel like it's it's kind of coming to a head. Well, I kind of have a really interesting multi-point of view to education because um, kindergarten through second grade, I actually attended Montessori school. And Montessori school was developed 
very much to make independent human beings. And so I was in, there was, it was a two classroom setting. So two large rooms that had stations. If you know anything about Montessori, it's all about the stations, which, you know, being a kid, that's great. And I was in the same room as a kindergartner as sixth graders. So it was kindergarten through six, sharing and occupying as your, as your will desired all day long. And so I was learning and experiencing everything from, hey, have your friend lay on the floor with a large piece of paper and outline their body and then fill in all of the um, organs and color code them and label them and learn where all the body parts are. And then over here, I'd be learning how to tie my shoe. And over here, there'd be, you know, a 10 foot piece of paper rolled out and I would listen to Bach or Beethoven with a marker following the ups and downs of the music. And over here, I'd be at a different station learning how to pour or put uh, different things to create patterns into ice cube trays. And then I went to, you know, a regular quote unquote public school in third grade and they tested me and they're like, this bitch don't know what a comma is. (laughs) (laughs) they had to put me into a reading program because I didn't understand commas or semicolons or capital letters at the beginning of a sentence or, okay, you started a new thought. You need to create a new paragraph. All of that was not important at the time. So we're talking 1976 was when I started kindergarten. And so back in the 70s, you know, I'm sitting here learning Bach, Beethoven and where your kidneys are. And other kids are really focused on learning where a comma goes. And so when I was integrated into the public school system, I was very aware as to my, quote, shortcomings. And at the same time, recognizing that I could crush an adult in the game of chess. You know, so that was very weird. I knew I knew a lot more than a lot of other kids, but I didn't know commas. Mm -hmm. Stupid? Or was I just not made aware of these things? And so, you know, looking at the difference between learning and experiencing versus acquiring information and then being able to regurgitate it back on a test or, you know, some sort of testing situation was very, very different way of learning and way away. And you also didn't get any sort of grades at all at Montessori. Like you literally learned for the love of learning. Mm-hmm. Wherein in the public school system, it had nothing to do with the love of learning. It had very much to do with standing in line in the for the bathroom, not talking, not touching your partner, following a lot of rules. Whereas in Montessori school, I can ebb and flow between classrooms based on what I wanted to do at that period of time. Um, it was very self-actualized, whereas in with the public school system, it was very militarized. Interesting word that I just got there. Mm-hmm. So that was, you know, that that to me, looking back on that really shines a light on the difference between, hey, I'm really excited to go to school today because I get to do whatever I want and focus on all these different things and probably being, you know, neurospicy, as they call it, you know. And it encouraged curiosity, huge, which I think is a huge nuance between the two. Huge curiosity. And I did it because I wanted to. I did it because I was excited 
to get involved and like roll out that piece of paper to dive into some Beethoven age, you know, grade one. And so we're, we're in, in public schools, you, you, it's time to do math. It's time to do science. And this is what we're doing and too damn bad. And you better hope that you retain all of it in this five day period of time, because there's a test on Friday, there's a quiz on Wednesday, we're doing a spelling test, you know? And, you know, I, I do believe and, and I also learned phonics, whereas now they have sight words. They changed that. I'm not sure if it was the 70s or 80s or 90s, but like my older two kids, you know, I, I, I'm pretty sure that they were doing sight words. I know my kids now are doing sight words where they don't know how to break down a word. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there's no phonics involved. You either know it or you don't know it. And there also are no spelling tests now. So it's not like through repetition, you are going to learn how to spell. It's just, we pray to God that you learn how to spell. And by the way, if you write a paper and spell that word wrong, we're actually gonna mark you wrong for spelling that word wrong on this paper, even though you've never had the opportunity to necessarily learn how to make that word. I mean, it's just mind blowing. And so I kind of am seeing when like looking at the channeled information. So like, you know, in this series, we're talking about like really channeling and seeing the way and the direction that we're headed as a society. I believe that we are going to be headed back to that Montessori love of learning, tapping into each child's forte, if you will, in life. And I think that it has a lot to do with the fact that you know, we're recognizing that we can't keep putting kids on Adderall. We we just yeah. to sit for seven hours. Mm-hmm. We've gone so far in one direction with this crazy testing that gives money to schools and gives blue ribbons to schools. And like, you know, these teachers are held shackled to these testing standards as to if they get a raise, if they get a promotion, if, you know, they're good or bad. And they, we've kind of lost that love of learning and are leaning into numbers. Yeah. You know, absolutely. And, and, and so I think that we're going to head back to more of, I was looking at it this morning and it was like, we're still going to use the same kind of classroom settings. So, cause I was wondering like, how are we going to do that? Right. So I'm like asking, you know, the guides like, well, what does that look like? And so what they showed me is that, you know, kind of from nine to 12, the kids will go get their learning education requirements so that they know how to um, add, subtract, write, spell. They have a general, and you know, that's the other thing is, you know, history, we're rewriting history books all the time to be more in line with what the actual history of our country is or was. And so you're going to go do those types of requirements. And then you're going to go off and maybe learn sewing or cooking or car repair, or maybe you'll go to another building to learn heating and cooling or computer sciences or whatever it is that you're interested. It's going to be uh, earlier that you have these, these opportunities to kind of learn about who you are, be more hands-on, uh, be more interested, be not sitting in a chair for seven hours, our brain, Mm -hmm. these kids coming up brains, they just have no capacity to sit for seven hours. And that's not a bad thing. Right. Yeah. A hundred percent. When you look at that, do you see that being something that's going to shift within public schools or do you see more people moving away from the public school system 
or is it both of those things? And that's what causes it. So there's a lot of things that are causing this, this change. Um, one of it is the prevalence of the neuro, neuro spicy ADHD, ADD being on the spectrum, realizing that there's so many different ways to learn and we're barely tapping into any of them, diversity and inclusion. So that's kind of like step one. That's kind of what we are seeing even prior to this conversation you and I are having. Mm -hmm. The other point that is coming into this is, and this is going to be maybe provocative, is the school shootings. The school shootings are actually uh, causing more change than we even recognize. And I think over the next year, we're going to see a huge rise in people pulling their kids out of schools and using schools as an opportunity to protest against gun laws. And so COVID was kind of like, I don't know. COVID was like we planted the seed that kids don't have to be in buildings to learn but still realizing that might not be the best for all kids. Kids need to be socialized. You know, kids need to be around other children. Okay, so how do we blend learning with, okay, they don't need to be there, but they sort of- Right, so we're seeing this kind of evolution of possibility, just like we're seeing it in the workplace. And then add on top of that school shootings and how do we keep our kids safe? You know, like we're locking all these doors, but every school has windows. (laughs) The insanity is more than, you know, it's just complete hypocrisy of we're locking doors, but the schools have windows. We have metal detectors, but, you know, we're we're creating pods that unroll. So kids, my my 11-year-old was showing me, hey, mom, look at this. And it was this kind of, metal pod, if you will, almost like a fallout shelter that unfurrowed, unrolled in the corner of the room. And then all the kids got inside of this metal pod inside of the classroom and they could hide there for a school shooting. I mean, it's fucking insane. It's crazy. It's fucking oh insane. My God. And so I <laughs> believe that we're going to get away from And what the reason we're seeing all this is, you know, it's control. It's these kids are sitting in class all day long, uninspired, unmotivated, angry, frustrated. The teachers are frustrated. Everyone hates each other. We're seeing more fights in school. We're seeing more animosity between teachers and students. It's just not working. And this, all four of my kids have gone to public school. I don't, I don't have one person in my family that is homeschooled. So this is not me saying, oh, I homeschool and so should everyone else. All of my kids have gone to public school. But what I'm seeing in the collective is that it's not working. Yeah. You know, and so between that and then the school shootings and I think just really the way that we are recognizing, you know, the fact that my kids need to learn another language to me is mine. Like I was thinking about that this morning, like you are required to learn a second second language. What if we had it that you could go take, you know, Rosetta Stone during a study hall if you wanted to learn? Like, why are you required to learn German? Why are we required to learn Spanish? Why is my daughter required, my kids required to learn trigonometry if they have no need for that any time in their life? I mean, I'm pretty sure everyone can just verify that they've never used trigonometry ever in the history of their adulthood unless they were in that field. 
Well, and I think that I think the differentiator there that's super important to touch on is that it's not only that it's you're not like you're not saying trigonometry should go away. You're not saying people learning German should go away. But what about the choice to dive in deeply to what is your path, what that kid is truly interested in, which is their probably going to be their strength. And then therefore they're going to excel at. And it's just the fact that everybody's put through this rote line. I I know the one time we talked about uh, education and you likened it to like priming, priming kids for jail, like how similar it really is to being in jail, which if you think about it, I mean, it actually gives me chills. Yeah. And listen, Hey, I, again, my kids are in public school too. I have, I would say I love, you know, love the teachers. It's really the, and I hate to, you know, I hate to say it this way, but it's really like coming from top down. It's a governmental piece. It's the school testing gives the money, you know, it's, it's not that we don't have great humans in education, it's that education at its, at its source from where it starts from public schools outward, or excuse me, from government, you know, trickling down. That's the problem in my opinion. Right. So, so we have that. And then, you know, really like, what are you supposed to do as a society? Because we rely on that for childcare. Like people rely on that so that you can be in the workforce. So then how do you, number one, then how do you afford to send to private school? How do you afford to homeschool when you have to work? It's kind of like, okay, everybody go through their cattle shoots because this is the way you're going to be able to survive. Well, I just saw someone wrote a bill. uh, I think it was a Republican came down from the Republican side and it was basically the defunding of public education. And so I think that we have this like old school education. This is what it looks like or, or defund public school and everybody, I don't even know what they do. Right. I mean, how's a poor person? I could barely, I mean, (laughs) every year we get the sign up for school letter and pay your dues. And for me to pay my dues for two kids is almost $1,200. As a single mom, that would have crushed me. That was my mortgage payment. In, so public, in public school, that's wild. 100%. Wow. 100%, $1,200 for two kids. And like, what? And so like, as a, as a single mom, that would have, I would have been done. My kids would literally not have been able to be signed up or I would have to sign up for programs to get that paid for. Cause that would have been my mortgage payment for the month back in the day. So the thing of it is, is I think it's going to be a melding. I think it's going to be where we're seeing kids at a very much younger age. It's going to look more like a university setting. Mm in the setting of a current school building. So it's still going to be very much neighborhood generated. I even see as soon as I start saying the word neighborhood funded, I see that we're going to have a probably a huge backlash where it's like, wait, I appreciate the fact that you guys have a lot of tax money. And so you have this really great school, but why should our children suffer because our neighborhoods and our houses are worth less that our kids go to a shittier school. So I, I see that the schools are going to start being more um, like social share funding so that everyone has more opportunity to attend, not necessarily like a busing program where you just get bussed into the more affluent different school, school. but it'll be more socialized as far as the, where the monies go. 
And I think kids are going to actually want to go to school. Like, you know, the kids that are dropping out, the kids that are literally not finishing school, those are the kids that we need to talk to. Those are the kids that we need to say, what would make you want to go to school? Mm -hmm. You know, like, what do you, I know I have a very close personal relationship with a child who isn't very organized and has a difficult time in the school setting. But when it comes to so many other things, they are profoundly proficient. But through the eyes of, you know, your normal school setting, they might be looked at as not intelligent or struggling or whatever. But if you look at them as a whole person, they're outstanding. You know, I think it's very painful to have a child that isn't inside of the norm of so, you know, of, of the norm of college bound educated child. And you're constantly hearing the message of your kids not keeping up or your kids, you know, suffering or delayed or whatever. Yeah. There's something wrong with me is what they're hearing and what the, you know, what the parents are hearing. I, I think about that analogy, like, as you're talking, what's coming to mind is that it's almost like you have every kid in that room signed up for soccer, (laughs) right? And you expect every kid in that room to perform at a certain level of soccer. Well, guess what? Do we care that not every kid is good at soccer? No, you go find another sport. And education is exactly the same thing. Why should everybody have to adhere to these extremely narrow standards that are built for the normal, in quotations, child, which who's to say what's normal? You know, there's, I think that's the biggest problem. And then if you don't fall within that, if you're not a great soccer player, then there must be something wrong with you. Then you must not, you know, have done the right thing. And then, you know, I feel like the emotional uh, damage that that does alone, I mean, to then put somebody out into society with that kind of programming that they're never good enough. Right. I mean, I mean, look at that. Um, So, I'm curious when you're talking about this, just to pivot for a second with the time, the timeline that you see, do you see this being like a big, massive sort of like something big happens, kind of like a COVID situation where it's like, it pivots what happens, or is this kind of like a, a cluster of a bunch of different things that have to happen over time? And how far away do you see this change happening? I say it'd be in the next 10 to 20 years. So our kids, kids, will have this experience and this new way of schooling. It's going to be gradual because people like to, you know, make America great again. You know, like they want to go back to the way things were. They are fear they fear change. It's going to be uh gradual because even though schools lose money, there's still a part of it that I feel is some sort of like money maker. Like there's something about it that they want to keep like if we privatized everything i i feel like first of all people would revolt you know because there's people that can't stay home and homeschool there's people that can't it's interesting though because when i'm looking at it i know a lot of like republicans want to do like voucher programs and go to whatever school you want to go to mm-hmm. but there's a lot of like back and forth. Cause like a democratic point of view is we need to make schooling available to everybody, no matter what their income level is. And so 
we need to offer public schools. So it's kind of a melding between both, both parties, both ways of thinking, which is everyone needs to have an opportunity to go to school for free. And that should be a publicly funded opportunity. So that's that Democrat brain of all should be included. And then it's going to be a melding of also the Republican side, which is school choice, vouchers, uh, un, you know, defund the public school system. So it's going to be a melding of the two. Mm-hmm. But I feel like there's going to be, I'm trying to see if I can see what exactly it is that is going to happen. It seems like an exodus from school. It seems like an exodus due to safety. But I we was need- just going to say, is it due to safety? Yeah, yeah. I, it's interesting, though, because like. It's so sad because when I look at school shootings. And do you feel like that's what it is? I'm sorry to interrupt you. When I look at Yeah. When I look at school shootings, where I get exasperated is how many more do we have to have? Yeah. And the answer from spirit is always the exact same answer, which is as many as it takes. Yeah. Which is to me, mind blowing. If you go back to some of my old podcasts, I talk about the fact that like our spiritual self doesn't care if we live or die. You know, they want us to live, but yeah, the greatest good of the collective or the greatest good of the people around you, your spirit has no problem exiting this human existence because they know that they can come back. So it's for the greater good. Do we want to see any children die? Do we want to see anyone die? Absolutely not. But that doesn't mean it's not going to happen. So when a child or a person dies for any reason whatsoever, it is always for the greatest good of the collective or the people around them. And so they are more than willing. And I know this is mind blowing if you don't listen to my podcast, but they're more than willing to keep dying until we figure it out as a 3D humans, until we figure out that, you know, what we're doing isn't working. And that's what we need to look at what we're doing isn't working. And and even if you believe in in the second amendment to the to the degree at which we're sitting in right now, um kids will keep sacrificing themselves by going to school to make the change that is necessary. Is it a thousand kids a day that need to die? Is it 500 kids a day that need to die? Is it 10,000 kids a day that need to die in school shootings? What's the number? Because when we look at something like an end game, right, we need to look and go, what's the cutoff? Basically, we're on track right now for, I think it's 300 kids per day to die in mass shootings by the end of the year. That is the number we are currently at. We are 300 kids per day on average are killed in school shootings when you, when you, or I'm sorry, killed in, by, by uh, gun age, birth through age, uh, I think it's 17, 300 kids a day die due to guns or are shot. So where's the number? It kind of goes back to this. When I was 20 something years old, I knew I was going to get a divorce. And I tell this to my clients all the time. When you know you're going to get a divorce, don't delay the inevitable because you know you're going to get it. You can either get a divorce when you're 50 or you can get a divorce when you're 30. You might as well save those 20 years. So if we have any idea that we are going to do anything about gun reform, the question is, is do we let 100,000 more kids die or do we let one more kid die? 
because eventually shit has to change. You mm-hmm. have to decide that a million more dead kids in school shootings is where we draw the line. And if that's the case, we might as well draw the line today. Right. Does right. that make sense? The way uh-huh. I explain it. Oh, yeah. yeah. And so if, if a, if a million more kids dead at school is the is where we draw the line, then let's change it today. And so inside of that, parents are going to be fed up. They're going to get sick of throwing their kids in the line of fire. It's going to get closer to home with regard to this happening in white affluent communities where even, I mean, Parkland, Florida is a very affluent, um, very white community, but I, I don't know. And what about the teachers? What do you see with the future of teachers in regards to the exodus? Same thing. Great exodus. They're done. They're done. This whole book banning thing. I mean, if I ever, if, if someone would have said, Meredith, in your lifetime, they will be banning books. You could have pushed me over with a feather. Like, and and, and it's what's so crazy to me is that the very people who were most likely hippies back in the 60s and 70s who were burning their bras and and pushing for women's rights and you know very much in they're the same ones that are like for banning these books a lot of times and it's mind blowing to me that anyone especially a conservative regardless of what is written in that book would ever consider that banning a book is appropriate Age-appropriate books are appropriate. Kids should only get what kids are capable of comprehending at the age that they are. I agree with that. But to ban the bluest eye? Are you kidding me? It's mind-blowing to me. And so seeing that teachers' hands are... Because it started with the testing, Mm -hmm. right? It starts with the testing that the teachers' hands are tied. Your kids have to have X learned. And so we're not going to learn anything else. We're just going to teach and teach and teach what is going to be on the standardized test. Hands tied. Right? That's where it starts. Now they're saying you cannot talk about anything with gender. If you see a kid crying in your classroom, you can't go over and ask them what's wrong with them. You can't have a personal relationship with your students because that's like invasive or whatever. Like the rules that these teachers, the reason that they got into education, the reason that they got in is going away. And now they have these crazy, you know, boards that are deciding what they can teach, what they can say, what they can't say, the books that are out of the classroom, who's going to approve them. I mean, I've seen videos of entire school libraries decimated, no books, because they have to be read by this board before they can go back on the shelf. And so I see just like nurses, teachers are like, I'm out. Like, yeah. you have to reinvent all of this. Yeah. I homeschooled the kids for a year, as you know, and the co- the homeschool co-op that I was with was completely filled, like 10, 10 mothers. Eight out of the 10 mothers were previously educators and were just so completely jaded by the system, saw what the system was doing, right? Like these are people that were like, I, you know, I want to go into education. I want to teach kids. I'm so passionate about this that were in public education is public teachers that are so disenfranchised with what they were experiencing that they wouldn't send their own kids there. I mean, 
what what does that say? I mean, that to me was just, I think kind of like the icing on the cake that was like, wow, this is incredible because I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I am an educator or I know, you know, that I can do anything better than anybody else. But to see someone who, who is so intimately involved with something like that, to be so turned off by it and to hear the stories about how their hands are tied and it's no longer about helping the kids. It's about all this stuff coming down from the top that is just crushing them. Crushing them. So, I mean, it makes sense that the, it it makes sense that we're going to see an exodus there. We already are. We have, you know, during COVID. So uh, like when, like you said, when, when is enough enough? When is enough enough? Yeah. I mean, who who gets to pick next month, which books are banned? See, this is the slippery slope, right? Is when we start, you know, it's like the first they came for them, then they came for them, and then they came for me poem, where mm. it's like first they came for the Jews, then they came for um, the Black people, then they came for the women, and now they're coming from me. I- I'm completely butcher- butchering that poem, but um, it's kind of when we enter and go down this slippery slope of, okay, these folks are going to decide that these books are banned. So then another group of folks are going to come in and decide that this cannot be taught. Mm-hmm. And another group's going to come in and say that we can't do this because not everyone can participate in gym class or not everybody knows how to run or not every, like when's enough enough mm-hmm. wherein everybody has their own ax to grind and now we're doing nothing. Right. 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 So I think well, that we'll probably see, I, I feel like we're going to be where we're at currently we're going to see more shootings and or uh, parents protesting by way of removing their kids from the school system into homeschooling situations. And then you'll see these homeschooling, like you said, co-ops. And then they're going to then try to bring it back uh, like kind of a, a, a melding between, like I said, your learning education requirements in the morning and then you go on to do what it is that you want to do. I mean, I remember, and I've, I think I've talked about this on the podcast before, you know, I grew up in a very like affluent white community and everybody was college bound except for those kids. Mm-hmm. Right. And they went to the joint vocational school. Looking back, I would have done any, I should, I, Everyone should have went the joint vocational school. They learned how to do plumbing, electricity, uh, HVAC, beauty school, cooking, culin- you know, the culinary arts. These kids actually graduated high school with a freaking career. Yeah. The and guess us- who are the, the biggest earners of this country? Small businesses in the trades. Exactly. And so looking at that is where we need to, I think, go, but even earlier. Yes. You know, maybe we do a little of this, a little of that in elementary school, start to do some like uh, IQ testing or like not IQ, but like Like uh, personality type testing, right? Exactly. Like this kid is great at spatial relations. Let's introduce them to coding. Yeah. Let's introduce them to interior design. Let's introduce them to um, logistics. Before they have to spend $300,000 on college to make a decision to try one thing that they don't even know if they like. How about that? Because they've spent their entire, you know, 12 years of school doing what everybody else is doing outside of one or two classes. 
What do you think is going to change when you look at uh, secondary education and colleges, universities, that type of thing? Because I would imagine that it's not just going to be the public schools, but that whole system's got to change too, especially with the pricing and and the availability for for kids to go coming out with this insane student debt, which is really crippling them to be able to buy their first home, you know, maintain a lifestyle of any sort while they're paying these student debts down with housing costs. Like, it's crazy. There's a whole, there's a whole piece there too, that would be interesting to, to kind of delve into because they're, they're certainly completely connected. Well, when I look at that, I think we're going to go back to more of the one and two year degrees. I think four year degree might be overkill. Like, Basically, your first and second year of college is almost a repeat of your four years of high school, or at least your senior year of high school. You're just repeating all of that stuff. All your gen eds, yeah. So I think that we'll see more of a two-year degree for a lot of different reasons. And what I just saw was where we teach kids to be adults, investing, um, taking care of yourself, how to buy a house, and then also you know, more, a lot of socialization I'm seeing is really important in college, which is why they won't get rid of it. Cause it's a nice buffer. If you like, if you don't go to the military, you go to college, it's a nice buffer for a couple of years before you actually have to become an adult. But four years is overkill. You really only need your junior and senior year of college. And so that will still be there, but they'll start incorporating much more life skills. So will the high school will have more life skills. When Um, you say life skills, do you mean like emotional intelligence? um, Or do you mean more like actual just life skills that we don't teach? Like you said, financials and things like that. Or both. Financials, just everything, learning how to travel, learning how to take care of yourself, learn. Like there's, I, I talk to kids all the time and they're like, I literally don't know anything. I mean, when you talk to a kid who's been through what's 14, 16 years of schooling, four to six of that is higher education and they can't get themselves out of a goddamn paper bag. You know, they don't know anything about stocks and bonds and investing and how to buy a home and how to get a loan. They don't, you know, there's, they're clueless. They don't know how to do laundry, you know, and, and we expect them to just go out into the world and just somehow figure it out, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that we're going to have much more of that life skill, learning how to be an active participant in society that I think has been profoundly lacking to date. Right. And so, you know, I, I, I see that, I, I see that the kids, it's going to start with the parents, but the kids are going to demand a huge shift. Like my, my youngest son, he really loves cooking. And it's so funny because, you know, everyone puts such a focus on, you know, my kids got this grade in algebra and that grade in biology, but unless your kids going into those focused sets of learning, you know, my son knowing how to cook at 11, like he throws together a HelloFresh meal by himself. And that's like a billion ingredients or can make something from scratch. Like he, I can feel the love that he has for cooking. He truly enjoys it. But if this wouldn't have been introduced to him in sixth grade in the school setting, like, I don't know that my son would want to cook. 
but now I see this passion and I want to support it. And I Mm. think this new way of schooling is going to help us find our kids' passions by way of exposure at a younger age. And they're taking me right back to that Montessori school energy where you have stations and you can try stuff out. And when something speaks to you, and when something, when you're good at something that really speaks to you, right? When you're bad at something, like if you're like, you're, you're in real estate, right? Mm-hmm. And if I, if I told you to go do coding all day long, sit in front of a code computer and code all day long. <laughs> yeah, no, no way. How smart and inspired would you feel? Great career, great career, but it's not for you. Right. You know? And so what we're asking these kids to do is go to a great career, great class, but they're not inspired. But they don't like it. Yeah. They don't like it. They feel stupid. They, they, their energetic body is going, why the shit am I doing this? Like, why do we keep making kids do shit that they don't want to do? Yeah. I think that's such a good point. And we're all, you know, like we, you talk about coming in with a program. That's like a big, big piece that we've been talking about throughout this series too. It's like, you're, you are here with a specific energetic makeup. You are here on this planet and your, your energy is specific to certain things where you are not supposed to be. Everybody's not supposed to be good at everything. It's not that, you know, we all know that wouldn't be great. If everybody in the world was a cab driver and nobody did anything else, the world would not work, right? Like we all need to be different, different stars in the sky to make it up as a whole. So I think the idea of like kind of melding this spiritual piece together with the education and the just permission to do what it is that you are drawn to and quote unquote, you know, even call like is your destiny or what you're supposed to do no wonder, you know, no wonder we're seeing so much mental health issues. No wonder we're seeing all depression, anxiety, all of those things, because we're, we're putting kids in a situation where they're not meeting their full potentials. hundred percent. And I, as you were talking before, something I thought was really interesting is it's like a, it's a time problem because you're sending kids to school for eight hours in the day, they come home, they're exhausted. They go right to whatever sport they're engaged in because that's their quote unquote free time to explore the things they love, but then that's it. So they've got school and this one sport and, and the other things that they, and then possibly they two explore. Hour, and possibly two hours of homework. Right. So then where is the time and the emotional energy to explore these things, to get yourself on the right path? Oh, well, we delay that and delay that and delay that and delay that until after, and then, and then you go to college and then you're in a, in a path that you don't really know what you want. And then you graduate and then you try to figure it out. So like, why are we waiting so long to do this? Well, and it's funny because as you were talking about this, I, I just kept seeing like, we're basically putting kids in a situation and saying, you need to get straight A's, which means you- At everything. You need to be good at everything. But as adults, we never expect ourselves to be good at everything. We have accountants, we have cleaning ladies, we have, you know, people that build our roads. We have, you know, people that clean our clothes, whatever it is. I don't want to be a dry cleaner. I don't want to be a telephone repair person. I don't want to be the, you know, the Apple computer wizards back there. But we're asking our kids, you better get straight A's and you better be good at everything. And honestly, 
unless you have a kid that thrives on only doing well. So like my life's purpose is to just to challenge myself. And in the, in the state of challenging myself, I enjoy trying to get straight A's. Unless you have a kid that just is inspired by doing well, and you are putting the expectations of straight A's on your child, your child is going to be depressed. Yeah. Because they are working hard on shit that they don't like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Think about that. Think about think about if you were an adult and, and you could pretty much ask any adult, would you go back to high school? And fucking everyone is going to say no. Why? Why, if it's so fucking great that you're going to send your kid to school, why, if it's so great, would you not go back? Right. Because you're like, I don't want to do algebra, but you expect your kid to get an A in it. What the shit is the disconnect? I don't even look at my kids' grades. And I know that his their counselors <laughs> and their teachers probably hate me, but I am not going to find my children's worth in a letter in classes that they do and don't like. They're going to do well in classes they like and are inspired by. And they're going to do poor. My daughter gets like D's and F's in Spanish. I literally give zero shits. She wants to take sign language in high school. Have at it. Take sign language. She's good at it. She enjoys it. How about you just say, hey, here's a class that you can take home at home and it's a sign language class and you need to learn it and blah, blah, blah. And you can come in and we'll do the testing. Like there's so much opportunity, but we're asking kids to do exactly what we would never sign up for. Never. And we're telling them, not only do you need to do it, but you need to be really, really good at it. And if you're not, you're going to be grounded. I'm going to take your phone. You're going to lose privileges. You're going to be out of sports. We're going to remove all of these fun things because you're not good at everything in a thing that I would not even remotely desire to go back into. Think about that, people. That's crazy. And I would say the same thing goes for secondary school too, for college, because who's who's primarily paying for college? I have a bunch of student rentals. Mom and dad are 99% of the time at least paying for, I'd say, 70% of their college. Mm-hmm. So there's another layer of expectation there too. Because It's I'm not like it's deal. stopping. And then we wonder why nobody has life skills. Right. Because right. there hasn't been time to develop them. Right. Well, and, you know, like I've talked to my kids, my younger two, you know, my older two, I was still in the nuts. So you have to go to college or you're, you know, not going to make it in life mentality of which neither of them are doing anything close to what they graduated from college with. Nobody is anymore. Oh, my God. Like Cody has a degree in political science. Skylar has a degree in business. I guess she is sort of doing business, but I'm not really sure she's using any of those skills that she learned in college. But I mean, like when you look at these younger kids growing up and you say, I could give you $200,000 to invest in a house or homes or Airbnbs or a business or whatever. Here's $200,000 cash, or you can go to college. What's a better investment, right? You can, you can buy four Jimmy John's restaurants, 
with a $50,000 down payment or, you know, or whatever. Right. You can be and own four restaurants or whatever, or you can go to college and get drunk. <laughs> get drunk. That's true. You know? And so I think that we need to, we don't need to, I mean, it's going to happen. There's nothing you and I need to do, but I think people need to start looking at these concepts and understanding when we see this stuff start coming down to us as opportunities and changes to not panic because the end game is so much better than where we are today and where we've been. We don't need um, factory workers anymore. We don't need people punching a clock and going in. You know, that was the other thing I, I did, forgot to talk about before we close up here is kids stopped learning how to read and write cursive a few years ago. Then, like I know with my kids, they don't even need to type anymore because they can voice text into their computers or iPads, right? So kids barely even need to write anymore. Everything is done on pads or, you know, laptops. Now we're moving into AI with chat GTP where you can literally put a prompt and say, write me a essay, a five paragraph essay on Benjamin Franklin from a fifth grade education. And chat GPT will spit that exactly out. We are moving away from needing to know how to do things like my my kids. They'll be doing their homework and they'll ask Alexa questions like, how do you spell this? Or what's nine plus nine or whatever the thing is. And this is where, what's it called? Uh, core core math, I think it's called. Mm -hmm. That came in because the, the education system was starting to recognize that kids didn't know how to think and they didn't really need how to come up with answers. So this core math teaches kids how to think and how to process because they really don't need the answers anymore. And so that is also going to be true now for for writing and for coming up with marketing plans. I mean, if you look at the the capabilities of like chat GPT and Google just came out with one, we don't need what we used to need. Yeah. And so we don't need kids to be able to write a five paragraph paper anymore. We don't. The, the the AI is there, whether you like it or not, it's here. I doubt it's going anywhere. It's it's a it's a mind all of its own, literally. And so being that we don't need to write anymore, we don't need to type anymore, we don't need to spell anymore, and now we don't need to like create plans or anything anymore. What do we need humanity for? Yes. Well, I keep thinking as you're talking is wisdom versus knowledge. And I feel like that's the crux of the whole message here and the whole vision that you're getting moving forward is that we're moving away from knowledge and the repetitive pieces that technology can do for us. And that don't, you know, the memorization and all that into the wisdom of using everybody's unique gifts to be able to kind of take almost like this technology piece that we have as a building block that can amplify all these unique gifts that we were given. Exactly. And if we can just follow the path of these unique gifts and we can have a system that's built more around allowing that to bloom. I mean, to me, that sounds like a pretty, a pretty incredible opportunity. Because no one needs to write, read or write or arithmetic anymore that you could find that on Alexa. You can find that on Google. You don't need it. We don't need it. 
you know, unless you're really going into like some sort of scientific whatever. And I even think that's going to be taken over by AI. We're going to start honing in in the next 20 years on individuality and what each human being brings to this planet and honing in on that because the like you said knowing is is going to be useless you don't need to know anything moving forward one thing you you told me once i think it was a channel of message or something that we were talking about was that what you saw in the future was that the people that are going to make the most money and be the most successful are going to be the most and you might need to reword it if you you may not remember, but uh, are going to be the most themselves. They're going to be the most authentic. And that was really the way of the future. Yep. Really honing in on the the fact that you are, that there's only one of you in the whole entire planet at this time. And since there's only one of you, you bring something that's very special to this planet. And to be able to thrive, on this planet, you're going to have to rely on those characteristics because just being able to write a book or just being able to sing a song or just being able, it's just not necessary. So we're going to have to start tapping into our guts and our inner self of what do I bring? Yes. Am I? I love that. Yep. So huge. Well, thank you so much for doing this. This was fun. This was a good one. Yeah, this was a good one. I hope to hear comments about this one because I think this is a dicey topic. So I'd love to hear what people think. Yeah, so good. I mean, and this is where we're headed. I mean, when you look at the writing on the wall, it's it's impossible for it not to be. It's just to not fear as we go through it. You know, like people get afraid, like, oh my gosh, this, that, and the other. We're getting there. So just know we might not see it in our young age and our kids might not see it, but our kids' kids will and they'll benefit. So that sounds like a long time from now and and we're going to have to go through a lot of unfolding, but it is for the better, you know, people yes. for the better. So thank you so much for being here with me again, Allison. Thank you. It's fun as always. I'm excited to see what we get into next week. I mean, Lord knows, right? I mean, oh, I've got some ideas. Oh, I love it. I'm I excited. It. <laughs> All right. Come back to us next week. Allison's got some ideas. So we'll see you here next week. Thanks for listening. If you would like to connect on a more personal level, head over to MeredithWillits.com or on Instagram at Meredith with a Y for behind the scene footage and outtakes. Please subscribe and come back each week for more Meredith with a Y. Thanks again for listening. Cheers.